think it's really interesting in the the passages that you focused on, especially uh, like starting with twelve, twelve. How there's like this such a distinction, and I guess in, in like forty four two between the son and the father. You said if you follow me, you don't you don't follow me. You follow the father. I do what the father instructed me to do, and there's all this. A, you know, really clear distinction. He, not on my own authority, but the Father who sent me. And I, I just... I don't see how there's a a different... I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you can deny the separation between the two, I guess. Right. You know. um, yeah. I think one thing that that I that stuck out to me it wasn't necessarily the repetitiveness of love which is there and obviously when you look at scripture anything that's repetitious is for a point I mean that's in anything any writing any uh, movie when they do something repetitiously they want to get to a point but the part that Jay was reading I think it was in John 12 was when Jesus was saying whether you hold like I want you to hold to these not even about love but when it's like my teachings even if you don't hold to them I'm still gonna love you or like I'm not gonna judge you and to me there's freedom in it it doesn't mean like using the churchy language that gives you a license to you know do whatever but it just is like hey there's gonna be a day there's gonna be days there's gonna be maybe a time in your life where you're just sucking at it where you're not doing a good job and so often I know sometimes like if I do a boneheaded thing like I'm a bad father one day I yell at my daughter or I'm a bad husband or I just you know lash out and get mad at people and I know in my heart that that's not right to do but knowing that it's not like God's somewhere up in heaven being like ah you know like I'm super pissed off at you but like hey you know that's cool I'm not gonna judge you but knowing that like you know tomorrow's a new day tomorrow's a better day that, I don't know why, but that just stuck out to me more than the love part, just because I think I already understand the love part. Like, okay, I'm supposed to love people, let's do it. But even when I fail at that, that Jesus isn't going to judge me, and he is not going like, to hold that over my head. And I just think that there's a lot of freedom in that. Right. I agree. There is a lot of freedom in that. That's a big verse. It's hard to comprehend. And that part, okay. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that that part—it's a change of subject. But that part too that you mentioned that we might bring up in the discussion about not coming to judge but to save—I've read that verse a million times, but it—it it just seems so universalist. You know, reading it now, it, it seems so non-judgmental, and uh, it doesn't leave a lot of room for damnation, I guess. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Especially with the other verse. Which I can remember. I wish I could remember the other verse. It says that God will not judge, but this is the Son, and this is the Son that won't judge. Yeah. Um, I actually found that verse in a book about contradictions in the Bible. <laughs> but it is a bit universalist because it's like, who judges? Yeah, right, right, right. They're, they're passing the buck back yeah. and forth. Oh, he'll do it. No, no, he'll do it. But some of us look at that and go, oh, maybe there's some good news there. 
know, maybe there's some inclusion there that we didn't realize. Yeah. You know? Yes. And um, some hope. Well, yeah, I think that's why in my own walk and theology, where I've kind of come to my views on like universalism or you know in the inclusionary message of Jesus was that you know Pharisees or sometimes even Peter or Paul or some of the gospel writers will be like they'll have their own stance and they'll since they wrote it they'll put their views in there but when you look at what's what's attributed to Jesus and Jesus's word Jesus is kind of like not saying that that their views are inherently wrong but like okay you guys said this but this is this is what I'm saying and it always seems to me that Jesus is very very like you guys might have what you're saying you get it a little bit I'm not going to say that you don't but here I'm in it like no one's going to judge you I'm not going to judge you the father's not going to judge you because the father and I are one but even if you are boneheaded you know whatever that's fine and even like even it says when you were reading that you know Peter was going to Jesus is like Peter you're going to deny me three times that was powerful but yet I still look at it and the church he later on says I'm going to build the you're going to be where the church is based off of like you're going to start this my you know bring my teachings out to someone who totally totally dropped the ball Mm -hmm. who was like I'm going to deny you you know you're going to deny me three times and Peter's like no no I'm not going to do that and most of us have read that whole narrative but I just think it's so awesome that even in our boneheadedness and our stupidity Jesus is like hey you know this is life this is going to happen but just love one another and based out of all that if you can't even love one another you guys don't even get the message that I'm trying to throw down yeah it's curious to me why Jesus was so repetitive with that and then someone who wrote it down or you know because it's carried into history you think that would be like something you'd be like yeah we got it you don't need to write that down again. We got it. But it seems to be one of those things where I was like, this is a pretty important part of the message. Yeah. Is love. I think that's a really good point about Peter because, and you know, like Paul even rebukes Peter and Peter's a, you know, he, he messes up a lot. <laughs> he messes up an awful lot, but he's, you know, the rock that the church is, is built on. You know, he's the foundation. I think that that's really encouraging you know, um, being raised fundamentalist and thinking that I have to, everything's based on performance. It's encouraging that Christ chose such a messy, you know, uh, ugly behaving individual as the representation of those who are going to follow him and those who are going to, you know, follow his teachings. Yeah, right. Exactly. Or me. Yes. Or me. Well, and I feel like growing up, too, when you hear these different stories in church, and part of it might be if it's uh, being told to kids that you want to relay the positive part to them, but you hear all these stories, you know, you hear Paul, you hear David, um, you hear Noah, like all these stories, like all these great men, these great warriors of God, and then you read a little bit before the story or a little bit after, and you're like, ooh, that's like Jerry, some Jerry Springer stuff yeah. right there. And you realize, it's like, most of the people that had a big influence on a group of people or 
you know, a certain a certain story in the Bible, they were very far from perfect. They weren't, you know, someone who followed everything and did everything right, but a lot of them messed up really bad and they were able to in a way redeem themselves and and realize that it's like like you said, Brian, it's like, yeah, I messed up today, but you know, tomorrow's a new day and you have a new chance to you know, to fix things or if you need to leave it as it is and then just move on and move forward. And that is something that's comforting because a lot of times in church you feel like you have to go to church, put on a happy smile on your face, hide all your problems because you have to be perfect. And then when you leave, you can get back to fighting with your family in the car. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a story of my life. Yes. Same. (laughs) Put on a happy face. (laughs) Everybody smile when you get in there. Yeah. Even though we're all fighting one another right now. Uh-huh. It's true. It just frustrates me how, as the church universal, how we just don't get that message thousands and thousands of years after Jesus, you know, was here on earth and doing his message, is it's so blatantly easy and obvious. He just let he lays it out. And and I know we, you know, we fail, we, we get up, but just even growing up in the church that I did in the tradition, it was always like, you, you heard these stories, you read these verses, the pastor preached it, the youth pastor preached it, and it was just like, oh, that felt good, that's a good pat on my back, I understood it, but yet we never do it, because to me, if we took the message of Jesus, it, like in these gospel stories, or even now on Palm Sunday or Easter, it's just kind of like I was telling Amanda on the way in. I said, I don't just get really jazzed or revved up on Palm Sunday or Easter just because every Sunday should be important. Every Sunday should be exciting when we go with one another. And not just on Sundays or holy days or holy weeks, but every day should be exciting. We should be like, I can bring this love of God and, and, and Christ not just into my life but to the world. And partly we just do a really shitty job of doing it. And, and that's understandable, but, like, I don't know. It, to me, it's just so obvious and blatantly easy to do it. But the church, we put up walls on to make it harder. And I don't know why. I guess it's just fr- that's maybe my issue with the organized church, but... Thanks for listening. And uh, don't forget, we have a service that goes before this. If you're going to want to listen to one of those, <laughs> called Revolution Church. Zephyr Marketing. Yeah. <laughs>